right, we're back. Uh, it's it's about time. Tenth edition is out. Uh, we've got a new Thousand Suns Index. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, and with that, I don't know if it was enough for just myself and Russell to cover here. Uh, so we have a special guest joining us, uh, which is Florian, or you might know him as uh, Shanar from the Thousand Suns Discord. Uh, he's also the uh, vice captain of the Dutch ETC team. Uh, so Shanar, thanks for taking the time to join us and talk through this with us. Yeah, oh, glad to be here. Uh, so guys, uh, uh, right away, like, what are your impressions of, um, you know, the Thousand Suns Codex? Uh, Florian, I'll start with you. Uh, I think it looks pretty damn good. I think one of the most important bits, I think, was for a lot of Thousand Suns players that we didn't lose our, like, unique identity, which I think was a worry with the psychic phase being gone. Uh, but we have a bunch of cool tricks. bunch of units got better or got you can use in new new ways. So I'm pretty happy with it, actually. Yeah, I'd have to bounce off of that um, as well. Uh, one thing I can say is, finally, I think I might be able to use the Vortex Beast, and that's yeah. that's enough to make me happy right there. Yeah, yeah I know. I tr- I tried at the beginning of ninth edition with it, and it pretty much made it through. I think like one tournament was now. Yeah, it's going back on the shelf. Yeah, we have Pump Player and like in the Dutch scene that tries to use it, but it's always like, yeah, it's good if it spikes, then it's maybe worth it, but otherwise, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely one of those models where I'm like, it's it's a super dope model, and we can finally use it effectively. So that should be fun. Yeah, it seems to have a lot more synergy with the uh, with the rest of the army, which is funny because in ninth edition, that kind of felt like the thing that was missing with a lot of everything was that there wasn't kind of like a cohesive um you know like synergy with all the units so you'd have kind of like thousand suns units zangors and then you'd have demon engines and vehicles and stuff and while they they did do a cool thing of giving all the all the like non thousand suns um uh psychers some kind of bonus like the five up bimble in the ninth um at least in in 10th edition it seems to be that they have um something that's much more built in to kind of work a little bit better with the army like um like the plasma forge feed for example that it has like the suppressing fire ability that's on it which is just i mean it's fantastic um which works with the rest of the army so it actually even if the damage output or the profile or the points on it aren't very good it has an ability in there that's somewhat useful in certain situations that might you know you might not be taking it now but there could be situations that come up where oh, the meta's changed, and now that ability becomes a little bit more relevant, and I need to put one of those in my list. Yeah, they went... I, I actually liked that quite a bit. Uh, there was a slight worry before we had the points, because this is the release has been a bit weird like that, because you have reactions to the indexes, then reactions to the points combined. But I do like that they went with, okay, you get this ability, but we're also pointing that ability which means you actually get differences between the CZM, Fortrient, and the normal one, but that's also reflected in the points. Actually, uh, I was worried they weren't going to do that initially, but I think uh, in terms of points for that, they did that pretty well, or at least in such a way that's favorable for 1,000 tons. I don't think some uh, some other factions, namely Death Guard, got away with that quite as well, but they 
they went with okay this uh this fortune 2000 sons does different things to the CZM ones that's also adjust that in points which is a nice direction so what uh before we get into like the actual um just kind of talking through maybe some of the rituals and things like that at the core the core army abilities um you know uh, russell maybe i'll start with you what what model i mean you you talked about the mutilith right uh yeah what else do you think could be uh, maybe on the flip side of that. What was good in ninth edition that you think is going to be going back on the shelf? Um, obviously, the one thing that I really liked with when I did play Thousand Suns was something that I can't even use anymore, which was the uh, which was the uh, Land Raider. Um, can't even remember the name of it. I've already blanked. Achilles. It. Yes, the Land Achilles Raider Achilles. Yeah, I love playing the Achilles and using all the buffs and death hex and all the tricks like that in certain games. That was a lot of fun because that was a lot of melted shots or like or like the Leviathan that you did. I mean, the same concept, you you buff up and death hex and all that the Leviathan with the melted that you were running there for a little while. So those are gone. But I think there's enough tricks with the, the cabal points and and um, some of the sustained hits and all that it, to, to work through some of those vehicle lists. So, because obviously things like Chaos Knights and Imperial Knights are going to be around, um, and it's, that's going to be a struggle for a lot of armies to deal with. So, we've got to find other ways to do the anti-tank. But yeah, there's a lot of tricks in there. So, obviously, those are the ones that are going back on. But I, I think Rubrics and Terminators are still, still going to be bread and butter on scoring and making things work throughout the Codex. Yeah, Florian. Yeah. Uh, any anything you think uh kind of goes back on the shelf uh yeah the contemptor at certain points felt like a unit in our actual codex uh so that one i think uh similar regards to the big squads of spawn i was very much a fan of like the five man squads and uh i think you definitely still play spawn if you want to but the the actual uh you play the more now as the one unit of spawn, which functioned very differently than the five-man unit of spawn. So I think Gale spawn is the big one for me because I tended to bring like at least nine or ten, or even eleven uh, in ninth. And I, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll ever bring six now. So that's that's one and the contender. Yeah, and the what? and the and the two-man units play. I mean, it's like sixty-five points, I think, for the for the two-man units, and even just two two models would play a little bit differently than the one-man's in terms of you know how cheap they were and what you could do with them. Yeah. Then there's also the viability of uh, Magnus and being able to maybe hide behind ruins, depending on what things are out there, since he doesn't have towering and he's got a lot of fun stuff he can do. So. I think he, he definitely can go on a list now where it was really a detriment before you just wanted to play with him. Uh, yeah, Magnus is one where I was, where initially I was like, uh, not, I was like, okay, he's definitely better, but I don't think he's good. In, he might not be good enough yet. And people around me disagreed. And now that I've actually put him on the table, I actually like him a lot more than I thought I would. So I think he's definitely back, which is just great. I, Definitely think there's some builds that you can do without taking him, but taking him is no longer that one, which just feels great. Doesn't feel like a liability into, you know, almost yeah. like 80% of the lists that are out there, right? Do yeah, you think exactly. that's, do you think that's attributed to, um, 
a combination of like, I mean, towering makes a big difference, especially, you know, with your terrain. Um, so even if he sticks up above the terrain, uh, you know, that's not a problem um, as long as it, it's obscuring. But um, do you think that the toughness shift that they made in 10th edition where a lot of stuff got, a lot of the weapons actually have a hard time punching up unless they have like an anti-vehicle keyword or something like that. Do you think that actually kind of plays into his survivability a little bit? It definitely helps. The only the only thing I wish is I wish he was toughness 12 because there's so many strength 12 weapons out there. Like, you know, like that new Dreadnought from Space Marines. That's, yeah. you know, you better make your four offs against that thing or it's it's going to hurt him. But yeah, that's the only that's the only downfall I thought was I wish he was T12 instead of 11. Yeah, it's it's mostly uh, it's that the two of armor is actually also very relevant. Uh, and that's a like a very good combination, but in practice, I found previously when you tried to run Magnus, you didn't actually die from the like huge shots, even previously. It was always like here's like 40 bolters with or 40 uh burst cannon shots with possible to wound or real wounds, and then he suddenly and that's that those weren't ones you could really effectively CP. Mm-hmm. And then he just got shipped down by like a whole bunch of small attacks. And now but both the 11 and 2 of armor makes it very nice. And then you have a lot of play with the stratagems and the cabals to actually make him stick around. Yeah, and the, the neat thing is that you could even, um, you know, I just caught this the other day and that there's a lot of like long-standing rules, uh, which in my head, I just kind of consider like, you can't do that rules. Um, and one of them that's been really long standing was the fact that you could come in from deep strike and you couldn't move after that at all. Um, but now it seems in 10th edition, they've really kind of like carved the rules around that a bit so that now there are situations where you can come in and then later on be able to move again. So it kind of makes it so that like you can, you can, I think, come in and then you can temporal surge. Um, you can't charge with him, which is what you're giving up, but you can definitely, um, like the really easy thing that sticks out to me is if there's a target that I know I'm going to charge with my Scarab Occult and I want that plus one hit and wound from Magnus, well, it's six inches. And the the other flip side of the, the fight phase rules they changed is that you have to pile or you have to move into base-to-base contact now which means um, you're kind of forced to, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, like you're forced to get as many guys as you can, like right into the combat. So you could get outside of your range for Magnus really easy uh, that way with your Terminator. So I kind of thought, well, you know, at a minimum, if I wanted to charge the Terminators, I could come in and move Magnus up uh, so that I'm guaranteed to have him within range zap whatever I need to um, and then charge the Terminators and hopefully they make it and get in there and uh, do with it, do their thing. The other thing too, I was thinking about on that is like, say somebody does like a rapid ingress is uh, doing that surge between ingress and like your Terminator. So obviously if you didn't want like space Marine Terminators to rapid ingress, if you, if you can move them between those targets, right. Or force that situation to where when they do the heroic intervention, they have to go to Magnus and that, that would be a way to get him into combat and they might struggle to kill Magnus. Yeah, the rabbit ingress is something that's uh, it's less impactful than the Overwatch, but it's definitely something to keep account of, uh, which opens up a lot of new plays and also a lot of ways to need counter it. 
regarding the charging the scarabag cults, like the new fat face rules are I think we'll, we'll find out in like a month or two whether you actually like competitively speaking at least how much you actually need to get into base to base because there's yeah. already people f- trying uh, figuring out whether you block yourself from getting into base to base uh, so therefore you can still string so but mag the there's just a lot of flexibility there just Deep striking for free is also very relevant, and just being able to blank shot, blank potentially two damage rolls, just totally uh, makes that there's not a lot of really really good uh, answers to Magnus. And if you do spend your army killing him, there's a lot of stuff that can actually get you back. So if we take a, a- Slight detour. What are your thoughts on the other Primarchs? Uh, so we've got Mortaria, we've got Angron, um, and you know he's not a Primarch, but Russell, I would, I would think you'd want to talk a little bit about a bad maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Do we really want to talk about Mortarian? Uh, well, I mean, just in comparison to Magnus, like, what do we, what do we think the two, like, how do the two size up against each other? Uh, I think Magnus is the best by quite a bit, like. Uh, don't know where I put Abaddon in that list, but uh, Magnus is definitely quite a bit above Angron and Portarian, I think. Yeah, like, I don't think that's close. I I would agree with that. Um, the one I I'm absolutely in love with Abaddon and, and his new rules, and um, especially since his points are back down to a reasonable area, you put him with the terms now. The only the only thing that I would caveat that with is there's that one core stratagem called Epic Challenge. Um, where you can kill a character, there are going to be units out there that are going to use that. Like, for example, you get charged by some type of knight. You know, obviously, they're not going to be able to get through the Terminators to kill Abaddon, but, you know, Epic Challenge, they could do it. Um, but outside of that Epic Challenge thing, like, Abaddon is pretty dang tough, and he's got a lot of output, given all the chaos marks. I mean, just like, uh, just shooting, right? So if you do the sustained hits, you get uh, five-plus explosions, and then... You use the CP for the undivided stuff to reroll all hits and wounds. All of a sudden, your your combi weapons can put out somewhere around 20 mortal wounds against uh, another infantry unit. You know, so if you're trying to kill Terminators, man, that that combo right there is going to be amazing if you can get those Terminators within 12 inches. So, and then just melee in general. You know, he's still just as good when you consider the dark packs and all that stuff. So, in some ways, yeah. he's tougher than he was before. Um, as long as you don't get tagged by some hard hit and precision hits, so so I, I like it. But it is a it is a big it is a big point cost for him because if you run Abaddon with the ten terms, that's six hundred seventy points. So, but I mean, no different than you know um, pre nerf uh, CSM that was still a, a big chunk of your points in your army. Yeah, it's no longer like a solo beat stick, which occasionally happened. Just like with Abaddon, is that you just he ran around and your opponent just had to move block him like for four turns or he would run rampage uh, just by himself and now he needs to actually attach to the unit but having all the marks definitely makes it really good like having both access to the undivided strat and to the advanced charge strat is just ups the utility of the terminator unit by so much so what do we uh if we just segue here a little bit what do we think about the um uh the the let's just start in thousand suns with the cabal rules here um they basically in 10th edition 
took a lot of what were our psychic powers, like basically our strongest key psychic powers um, and rolled them into the, these, basically these cabal abilities where you could just, you know, pick a sorcerer and then there's some ability that happens off of that sorcerer. What do we, what do we think? Like, are these strong enough to like carry the army against pretty much any meta or is it like, Hey, we're just kind of at the whim of how things go. Mm-hmm. I think the most important one, and that was also, I think, the most important psychic power previously is Temple Surge, because that's the one that's going to allow you to play the mission well and not charging. Like pre- previously, I think, side spawn, charging after Temple Surge was most important so you could get, actually get on the objective, because we still don't really have melee units that are very viable i think if you could temple search and charge a vortex beast that would be very fun but uh that's not happening but i think search is the most important one i think doombolt gives us a very unique answer to lone operative which i think you're going to see a lot and being able to combine say doombolt with a mutilous vortex beast and then just say okay that's lone operative 36 inches over there uh, that's probably dead now is uh, something that allows us to do something that other people can't. And I think you'll see a lot of lone operatives. And like if a codex has one that's less than 100 points, you'll see it. And uh, Twist of Fate is, of course, the most flashy one. Um, And that does give us unique answers into the meta. So it's a lot of stuff that's unique. I think overall it's a pretty good spread. There's no... uh, with only, uh, with only this limited amount of options, you would worry that there's one like useless one, which you often see, but that's not the case. So I think they did quite well there. So yeah, honestly, I like it a lot. It gives us a bunch of flexibility and it gives us mission play. The one that you would maybe hope for is the teleport, but we kind of got it with the crystal. But other than that, they're pretty versatile. And I would imagine that's kind of something that I would think the detachment rule might might handle with like cult of duplicity when that comes out. Um, that mm, might be something yeah. how they how they do that because right now we have cult of magic as our detachment rule. Um, but sticking with the um, uh, the the cabals here, uh, you know, the thing I I see come up a lot is twist of fate, um, especially against um, stuff like you know we're already hearing that Eldar are going to be running these you know scary wraith knights that they can just use um, their fate dice to essentially get, you know, uh, full critical wounds off of. Um, So, you know, the thing that I'm thinking about here is Twist of Fate seems like this, almost like this uh, fix-it-all patch that we can just, like, throw out there on a lot of stuff when when it doesn't have an invuln. And if it does have an invuln, well, I think there's maybe some other tools that we have in some of our character data sheets that kind of help us uh, deal with that a little bit. Um, but that one, at least to me, Twist of Fate seems to be sticking out as kind of like the, that one's going to get used a lot. Um, the hard part though, is just ball points for this stuff. Uh, cause the really important stuff like, uh, you know, Doombolt, uh, Temporal Surge, Temporal Surge is not bad actually. Um, and, and in fact, at five Cabal points, um, you can use it, uh, you know, in most of the lists that I've been building, I've, I've seen easily 15 cabal points in my lists that seems like that you could do quite a bit 
uh, with that. But then twist of fate, well, you're probably only going to be able to pick one unit unless you really built in to be able to, um, you know, like double cast it. And then uh, even if you're double casting, do you have enough stuff to actually dump into something like that? Yeah, it's also like twist of fate, like the obvious answer you want is that it completely removes all the saves. I think quite often it's going to be, okay, all my stuff against this has plus two AP because this thing also has an info save. Uh, or even like if if you use Twist of Fate on a three up, five up uh, thing, and it's usually plus one AP, which if it's a very important thing is still very relevant. Uh, but yes, yeah, Twist of Fate two things I don't see happening a lot. Uh, Maybe a dumb, dumb question though. If... If it's like, if Twist of Fate isn't the answer there, is Doombolt kind of like my fallback plan? Like, hey, if it's a big, if it's a big scary thing I got to kill and, and Twist of Fate isn't going to solve that problem for me, do, do I just throw Doombolts at it? It's not a bad idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that definitely could work. Uh, I'm very curious how much we're going to actually see the double uh, Doombolts partially because I also rate Echoes from the Warp quite highly. I think uh, the best stratagem we have and uh, is actually a core stratagem, which is Overwatch, because I think it's just really, really, really good and going to decide a lot of games. So, And that means you're very, we're already pretty CPS-tensive if you want to use stuff like Terminators. So you go Echoes of the Warp and then one Doombolt, and I don't think... You, the number of times you'll double tap Doombolt might be limited. I don't, yeah, that's one thing that I haven't played enough games for yet, but double tapping Doombolt at something is not a bad, like, catch-all answer. It would be nice to uh, drop the Lion or Gilliman. And it... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting slowed up for this Doombolt is awesome. That three-up Involt on the Lion is just, man, that's mean. When you look at the rest of everything else, uh, like data sheets that they did. Did they hand out another three up involved to anything? Yeah, I, yeah, that's all, that also is also surprising to me. But a line is also expensive enough that it's not the thing I fear the most from Marines. I think there's a couple of them that get like a two up save for a phase. I think uh, Valores can do that for one phase, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. So being able to doombolt somebody like Valoris would be amazing. Not that I think custodes are going to struggle a little in the vehicles. So we hopefully won't see as many of them as we did before. Uh, I think custodes answer every melee army, but I don't yeah. know how many melee armies we'll see. Well, I think there's I think there's actually some sneaky tools that we have against that stuff where it traditionally that's been a that's been a problem. Um, for us, like really hyper aggressive armies, like if you had a custodes player that had a bunch of you know bikers essentially, and he just lines up and just zooms across the table. Generally speaking, for most Thousand Suns lists, that was a problem because uh, we didn't typically in our list bring enough um, chaff to slow that down. And even if we did, uh, it was typically like, okay, well maybe you dispatch of the bikers, but now it's what turn three or four, and you know, you're, you're behind three turns of primaries and there's no way for you to really catch up at that point. But I do think there, there might be some answers here. Um, so just kind of uh, moving along here in the, um, the detachment rules, 
this is where things kind of get interesting because with Thousand Suns, you have a lot of psychic weapons. Um, and we already kind of glossed over the fact that psychic powers are just completely gone, but a lot of them are rolled into, you know, like a lot of our shooting attacks are now um, psychic attacks. Um, some, I think even some weapons that we have are psychic weapons, um, like in melee. Uh, so there's like a whole bunch of stuff in here that um, will benefit from having uh, the detachment rule that we were given, uh, which basically just lets us uh, each, you know, basically for, for each battle round, we get to basically pick um, what our bonus is going to be on psychic attacks. Uh, you can get lethal hits, you can get sustained hits one, or you can get devastating wounds. Uh, the obvious thing that just kind of seems to stick out to me is that why would you really rotate out of uh, devastating wounds? I think that's actually going to be interesting uh, because there's a lot of psychic powers that already have devastating wounds. Uh, like it, if you say you purely look at the data sheets from Magnus, uh, like the his gates of Magnus already has devastating wounds. So if you put, and his uh, blade of Magnus also uh, the strike also already has devastating wounds, and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of devastating wounds already tacked on. I think you rarely see lethal hits, uh, but sustained hits might actually be like the sneaky pick that's actually better in certain situations. Devastating wounds is so good that you'll probably see it still the most, but I think sustained hits will be uh, will be pretty common to take at least like for one round of one round of a game are you thinking that that's kind of like the, hey the, like you were alluding to the stuff that i'm going to put into combat or the stuff that's going to do stuff this turn um already has devastating wounds so i might as well just pick sustained wounds to try and get some extra hits yeah and i think uh lethal hits is uh, basically a nombo with devastating wounds, so you see that less. But say you have right. the exalted sorcerer on foot, you already have devastating wounds. It, it depends a bit on how you take your psychers. You can take like you can build it in such a way that all your psychic, that all your character psychic attacks already have devastating wounds, basically. Uh, so then sustained hits becomes better. Uh, but yeah, I think you'll see. Devastating wounds most of the time and sustains it a bunch, leave with rarely. It depends, depends on how you set up your list, basically. Yeah, I was just I was thinking about lethal hits and like uh like if you were gonna do if you were running into something like a heavy vehicle list where lethal hits may help you a lot, but then again, so with devastating wounds. So yeah, because I think I think in the case the only the only thing is um lethal hits helps you, I think. I, so I'm, I'm interested in what the math looks like if I do twist of fate on something like a land raider and I, I get reroll hits uh, and reroll wounds. Is it is my output essentially with the mortal wounds, like if I use the, um, the stratagem with my terminators uh, to turn their bolters into psychic attacks? Um, and I think it also adds... Um, uh, it makes them strength five, so it helps you a little bit with with wounding up. But I think with the land raider, it might it might not make that big of a difference. I think it's still sixes. Um, so at the end of the day, if you're auto wounding there, re-rolling, and you get stuff through, and they can't be saved, I'm wondering does that amount to 
better output than, okay, everything that does get through, I'm re-rolling wounds and those are mortals at that point. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think it depends on your target. Like, okay, if you're going into Chaos Knights, you know, lethal hits might be better because, or I mean, uh, the devastating wounds might be better where if you're going in Imperial Knights, the uh, the lethal hits is effectively the same thing. So you got more chances to get sixes on the first go around if you're re-rolling. Just because, uh, like Imperial Knights have a six-up feel no pain, and if they kill your Warlord, now they got a five-up feel no pain, and that's natural across the board. So if you're going to be a five-up regardless, you might as well try to get the most hits. Yeah. Per, so I think it's yeah. just going to come down to your target. Yeah, the big detail here is that the Sorcerer and Terminator armor already yeah. gives lethal hits. And so for that, for your first unit of Scarab Occult Terminators, it likely won't matter because I think you'll see a lot of the Sorcerer and Terminator armor because you already have lethal hits. So you'd, you'd, want, you'd want sustained hits at that point, yeah. Yeah, and the other big shooting unit we probably have is the Flamer... Uh, like some some sort of flamer bomb, which 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 would have a leader, which doesn't actually roll hit rolls, so lethal hits won't matter there as either. So the big benefit for lethal hits is probably this ten uh, man bolter Rubik Marine squad. That's the one that's actually going to benefit, and I guess in melee, but I think you want devastating wounds there or anyway. Yeah, I just uh, there's ways. Maybe that the threats will actually be relevant, but I think it's sustained or devastating most of the time. Yeah, if you're if you're having to search this hard for for scenarios where it's applicable, it's probably not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think the Terminator Sorcerer will be if you bring ten Terminators. I think you always always bring the Terminator Sorcerer, it's, right? Because it's just pre, a pretty damn good dead sheet that can also carry a relic. Yeah, uh, you're probably an enhancement. Sorry. Yeah, you're probably wanted to throw like uh, the Umbralithic crystal or something like that yeah, on there, exactly. so you can jump your jump your sort your terminators around. So uh, stratagems. Um, I, I mean, I, I for one am really glad that we don't have nearly as many as we did before because I feel like what happened was the quality of a lot of them. Um, like there were still the same number of stratagems as we have now that were really applicable in most games. Where now it's just, well, okay, you get the same number of stratagems, only that's all you have. So why bother with the rest of the stuff? And I, I kind of like that. Um, and, and I think it still leaves the door open when they go to do the crusade rules and, you know, some of the more narrative aligned stuff. They, they can still put those stratagems in, in those scenarios. But at least here, it, it lets us just know that, hey, there's, there's a flexible but small toolkit to work with. Um, and most of them all have a use in some way, shape, or form where we will actually, like, I, I can't see any of these stratagems um, being in a situation where I would never use it. I think there could be situations where it comes up. Whether I have the command points to do it is another thing, but I, I think I can at least look at all these stratagems and, and find some situation where, yeah, you know, I could I could definitely realistically use this. I like the fact that you, you've got some tools to dig, dig some infantry out out of a uh, line of sight blocking stuff. That's really cool. Like the warp site, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Definitely one of those where you you just run into a game and you're like, oh, I have, oh, 
that guy's still alive. Okay, uh, let me actually just, just get him a dwarf site. Like, not even the full behind the building, but sometimes you also just have a unit left over, which if you need to really kill a unit on objective, it's the warp site is definitely one of those where you have the full non-line of sight. Uh, it's behind the wall, but sometimes it's also just very nice utility. Yeah, and the fact that now the uh, you get a cover bonus, this you don't get an additional your saving throw. It's just being in cover, which pretty much everything's in cover anyway. That that warp site thing is going to be a big deal. Just you know, even in direct fire, sometimes ignoring cover. So. But yeah, you can combine it. Like I, I think about things like the uh, D cannons and Eldar. Like you know, they're going to be out of line of sight. So if you, you, you know, you don't obviously don't want to get in with 24 inches of those guys. But like, you know, you could do combine sorcerer's might with warp sight, and then all of a sudden you can take down D cannons, which will open up a lot of the board for you without having to get within 24 inches of them and taking that guaranteed mortal wound overwatch from the D cannon that that's the first thing that came to my mind is like how do i deal with D cannons so you know if i get three cp warp sight and sorcerers might combined yeah you can you yeah can deal or with one cp and six cabal mm -hmm. yeah yeah one 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 way or another you basically find a way to get those D cannons off the board and then you can start killing all those three wound infantry in Eldor. one thing i is, is gonna make a difference too is uh it's like I always love putting my my things on disc like Armon and the characters. And now with some of the anti-fly stuff out there and the whole unit getting a fly keyword, that's kind of a, a different thing. Well, I, I don't know. The thing about that is I don't know how many people are going to build into that anti-fly or stuff. Um, like if it's just there as a bonus form, that might just be an annoying thing we have to deal with. But, um, you know, just to, just to stop delaying it um i think one of the units that that count when i was talking about custodies getting countered was the exalted on disc because his mm -hmm. main um his main ability there lets you just basically pick something and just you know it's it's basically like what the old old doom bolt used to do where it just it has your movement has your advanced and charge rolls um and it uh basically it does some mortal wounds on top of it which is even better um, and that's just basically for free. Um, and as long as you don't roll a one, uh, uh, basically on a two up, uh, that's, that's how that goes off. Um, but if you think about it, like one of the, our big challenges was against some of these big aggressive lists. Like even if you had a bunch of big demons, um, you know, even that could be kind of a problem or Slanesh, for example, another problem, uh, really, really big, fast Slanesh lists. And, this at least now gives you an option where you can basically just, okay, zap, zap that big knight that's standing in the way of all the other knights. And now you've just boxed in the knight army essentially back behind stuff because they can't, they can't get out around the terrain to shoot you. Um, yeah. And what's also very relevant, I think, on that ability is that you can do it end of your movement phase and you're surging at the start of your shooting phase. So you can actually right. just, you can string the, exalted on disc forward and then uh you need to yeah you need to keep your last rubric but you can basically inch eight inches forward and then uh go and then go all the way back um so that's definitely something if you have like one thing you need to absolutely slow down that's a very good you did the unit for it yeah that's pretty good pretty good yeah 
and I mean, not to not to get too far into these sorcerers, but I think of all of them, I, you know, I think there's kind of a little bit of like dichotomy between the exalted sorcerer and the regular sorcerer. And I personally seem to be, I think, convinced that the regular sorcerer is the route to go um, because I think not being having your rubrics sit in the backfield and not be able to get shot at all uh, is kind of big, especially if indirect fire manifests in the meta. Uh, but mm, yeah. I don't know whether that's going to happen, but it's still not being able to get shot to begin with and just being able to just sit back there. Well, the only way they deal with that is that they come into your, basically come into your range of like 18 inches from everything else. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, I think there's a, a bunch of armies that don't want to do that. Yeah, I think indirect metal will certainly be a thing. Uh, I don't think you can build a guard army without it. And I think most marine builds will start up until like, up until the first balance overpass, we'll start with these 10 Desolation Marines. So just having that in your backfield is very good. This, however, if you're purely taking it, you are basically taking a Sorcerer just to um, just to get a couple points at that point, I think. Because if you can also just put the Rubik's in a Rhino and then they get to shoot the Rhino first and then shoot your guys which is basically the same. And I think the points are pretty similar. Uh, but yeah, there's a, it's very interesting which characters you actually choose uh, choose now. I think uh, there's a lot, there's four, I think there's something to be said for about every single one, except maybe Airman on disc. I'm not entirely sure what the yeah. use scenario frame is. I feel like everybody's kind of in that boat, just scratching their head on that one. It it doesn't seem like there's this yeah, is good I enough for now. Yeah, a different ability on them, or maybe like a different something else on psychic stock. Uh, but uh, apparently they didn't. But yeah, you probably take if you take. They could have. Uh, they could have gone. Could have gone like super retro and been like, "Hey, you can doom bolt for free a second time off of Aramon or something like that." That would have been uh, on disc. Mm. That would have been pretty funny. <laughs> you kind of can weirdly because of arc social scenes, but yeah. How do y'all feel about the infernal master? That that was one I was kind of like, Ugh. yeah. I, uh, I think it's not great unless you take arcane vortex on him, and then he's suddenly awesome. But there's like a lot of units where arcane vortex is like really nice. Like yeah, I don't know. I, you used I, to play with the old old uh, fire blight spawn, which you could enhance it to into a two damage flamer. I don't think you can actually approach uh, Infernal Master units uh, and risk Overwatch if, if think, he has the um, Arcane Vortex. Yeah, and I think on the Infernal Master, it's kind of like a weaker version of what you get on the Sorcerer, because Fires of the Abyss. You can do the you can do the exact same thing there, but it's 2d6, right? Instead of 2d3, uh, I think. Yeah, the Sorcerer needs to hit, but has sustained hits, uh, which is better if you normal shoot. But the Infernal Master has Torrent. And uh, so he's auto-hitting? Yeah, so he's auto-hitting. So I think the Sorcerer is better if you normal shoot him, but the Infernal Master is really good if you overwatch him. But the funny thing is, is the normal Sorcerer now uh, hits, on two, hits on twos, I think, with that. So that's the fun part. 
And so if you've got, and here's the, here's the even uh, more fun part. So either of those, I think the Infernal Master can get attached to Rubik Marines, right? Uh, yeah. So you're getting, I believe when they go in the unit, they get the reroll ones to wound uh, yeah, or they get the, the, the reroll everything to wound if you're on an objective, which would be hilarious though. Cause that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of mortals you could pop out. Yeah. I think uh, both need arcane vortex basically to be effective damage dealers. Yeah. But I don't think that's the worst. Um, I think I like the infernal master more because it's a good 18 inch overwatch. And I think overwatch is going to matter a whole lot. Um, so yeah, I personally lean towards the infernal master. But I, uh, but like taking one sorcerer just as utility for your backfield, so you get uh, no shoot without outside of eighteen, using one for the infernal master, pretty yeah. good. I don't know. I think the they're both good choices, and whichever one you take depends on meta and what you prefer yourself. Hmm. Uh, I think they did a good job there. Yeah, it seems to be that most of the most of the characters, I, I, it seems like the Exalted maybe and the Infernal Master probably, and and obviously the Aramon on a disc uh, we we talked about, he's kind of off off on the shelf I think, uh, but uh, most of the other guys, there's at least a scenario like even the Exalted Sorcerer on foot, like you could put them in in a unit and now you've got four up in bone. Um, so like if the meta gets um, really melee heavy, that's obviously going to be a much better build there versus the regular sorcerer but that i mean they all they all have good uses to them um and on top of that the right the exalted sorcerer lets you revive rubrics uh so that's kind of a fun thing uh you know the funny thing was look at uh when i was running just some very high level math on this out of all of our melee units um the strongest obviously our, our strongest melee unit is magnus um our second strongest were the scarab occult terminators um, and then the third strongest, inter inter interesting enough, is the Defiler. Uh, and what uh, what basically stuck out to me of how that's happening is this shift with a lot of weapons uh, and a, a lot of things to their toughness uh, versus what the weapons are doing into those things. So it seems like like there's a there's a huge difference when you go towards say regular vehicles, um, like let's say a Rhino is kind of like your benchmark there. If you're taking a Rhino and, and going into that, there's a lot of stuff that will do relatively decently into that just based on the fact that you're it's it's fives to wound and then you've got all sorts of stuff like moral wounds and things like that. But once you get to like a Land Raider or something that's really durable, even the Chaos Knights or regular Knights, um, that's where things start to get a a little bit more challenging and it it's like there's this very good uh segment of stuff um which is basically the scarab scarab occult terminators the defiler and magnus and then there's a huge fall off after that um you, you get down to stuff like you know vindicators um you know your your arcane vortex sorcerer um you know and then and then you get down to like a mother fiend and a hell brute at that point but even then they're only roughly uh math wise you know Damaging a, a land raider in about half. Uh, they're not even getting you all the way through through one of those. So it, it gets really interesting. Um, you know, just kind of thinking about the fact that we're still probably a little bit more weighted towards shooting. I think. Oh, absolutely. I I think we're definitely we're more shooting army than before. I 
think the Mutalif and Magnus kind of balance that out. Yeah, melee is going to be mostly to get onto objectives, but not like I. Um, you also have way way less of an incentive to get the Scarab Gods onto objectives now because they're OC one, not uh, they don't keep their let's say OPSEC from last edition with OC two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're definitely still a shooting army, uh, for sure. Yeah, the defiler, like, I don't know, it's still probably too big. I think if you're, but I, that's probably dependent on terrain set. If you have a terrain set that's all uh, four inch or less terrain features, then it might finally be good. Hey, rapid ingress can rapid ingress can just solve all problems, right? <laughs> mm. Rapid ingress at nine inches with a defiler. Um, yeah, I wish you fun with finding a gap. Like even if your yeah. opponent doesn't intentionally screen for it, I think it's going to be hard to place that model. Do you have to come in within nine inches or or at nine inches away, or can you come in outside of that? So if you can, can you like rapid ingress? Yeah, you, uh, yeah. yeah, but then yeah, I guess you could rapid ingress like 12 away and then move it and then charge it. Yeah, it's on their turn, and it's after they have completed their units and their reserves. Um, so you should know, like, okay, well, if there's a gap, I can I can plop this guy in here. That's the, that's kind of the only way I was thinking how I could potentially make a defiler work. But like you said, I, I think terrain's going to be a big problem, and I think that's also going to be a big problem for night lists, um, where they there are even on the GW terrain setup you're going to have a hard time kind of finding the alleys to move around. And if we have, you know, even just one exalted sorcerer in there to just plug an alleyway, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Chaos Knights have the strat to move through walls now. And yeah, I think oh, really? Imperial Knights will solve this with towering and Chaos Knights will solve this with that move through wall strat. So maybe, uh, yeah, I'm not, quite sure about knights yet. I think they'll probably be really good uh, just because they get a basically extra body or really good shooting now or unavoidable shooting mostly. If you bring it back to Thousand Suns, you could do something wacky like bring if the terrain is right, you could do something wacky like bring three defilers and three mutants to the Vortex Beasts and just say okay, answer this. <laughs> And wow. I think knights being actually in the meta means people will have answers for that. That's true. But it is something to consider. Like I have been trying to find like a build where you can actually reasonably play three move to the vortex beasts because I looked at the data sheet and it went like this is below one sixty. I'll probably play some. Now it's one forty five. The top of my head. Yeah, 145. So you can at least put one in there and not feel bad about it. Yeah, I think one will be, one will be great. And I think more people realize that because they're getting sold out. Um, I think that's where you could possibly see the fighters like in just which that which stat deck builds. And then you basically have how much are the fighters now? 200 points. Mm, okay. You're you're yeah. if you do that idea, you are a thousand points deep. But yep. could make that work, maybe. You know, if if the defiler is two hundred points, 
and you're going to go three of them. I'm just thinking like really dumber idea here. Could I take three land raiders? Uh, yeah, I think land raiders still. I think land raiders are great in CSM or factions with actual melee units. Yeah, yeah. We like, don't. Uh, well, I mean, you could put five man terminators in each one and just. Okay, get through the uh, get through the land raiders, and then my terminators will hop out. But how are you going to hold objectives, right? Yeah, and you have the age-old problem of uh, if you keep the terminators in the land raiders, they don't generate cabal because I don't think they changed that. Yeah, I don't think so. I th I don't think they count uh, as being on about. I don't know. I think I I think uh, if I start looking at stuff like CSM or world eaters, I like land raiders a whole lot in thousand tons. We just don't have the melee unit that goes inside of them. Hey, but that's that's what we have to hope for from our big release that we're going to get in this edition, right? Like we know that's going to happen. They they took away all our Forge World access, so you know half of our codex or our usable units uh, are are basically gone at this point. So um, now we're just down to what's in the codex, and that definitely uh, hurts uh, hurts our options. It, you know, it takes away yeah. a lot of stuff that could be comboing with but uh i, I gotta think that th we've got a big release coming or something like that right actually i i kind of get the feeling that this this edition is going to be the model release edition you know like the previous two editions yeah there's a lot of added model lines and a new army and all that but i felt like those were more like the book editions like here by psychic awakening by this book by that book well they're not focusing on producing books as much now i don't feel like so I'm hoping that all of the armies, especially on the chaos side, get a lot of stuff, you know, yeah. especially after looking at, I mean, like you look at the space Marine line, 245 pages, is it, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it I mean, takes every other army in the, uh, in the, on the points is one page and then space Marines are two pages. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get some love, like a really cool melee unit would be awesome. Yeah. I think uh, the Osiris Dreadnought's dream is further away than ever though. I think, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think you're right. Um, and I think what's what's going to happen is everybody's like, hey, we want rubric marines on discs and we want, you know, like we could definitely use like a, uh, a warp smith sorcerer hybrid, um, which I think that's probably a little bit more realistic. Um, and then yeah. they would probably at some point just get rid of regular sorcerers and then just say, okay, if you, if you want just a... a in Thousand Suns, if you want just a sorcerer, you get an exalted sorcerer, or you get Aramon, who's the greatest of them all. Otherwise, you get these hybrids of like chaplain sorcerer, um, you know, well, the exalteds are technically captain sorcerer, and then you have your uh, warpsmith sorcerer. And, you know, I don't think they would get to the point of giving us like our own apothecary or something like that, but um, yeah. I, I just, I feel like they'll fill out those HQ slots and then restrict us, like take away some of the other ones. Um, and then what we're more likely to get is something that I don't think anybody is really looking for, which would be like these giant chaos spawns, kind of like what they did with chaos space Marines, um, with like their accursed cultists and, um, uh, their, their mutants and things like that, that, that are in there. I, I feel like that's kind of what they would do is something like, okay, we have, we have like super spawns and, um, you know, like these weird, like, I don't know maybe some Zangor mutant or something like that. And everybody's kind of like, nobody was asking for this. And I feel like that's just kind of what, what we're inevitably going to end up at. Oh, yeah. there was, 
there was one unit that I forgot to talk about earlier when you asked units that you want to add or not. One no, it's that too I, late. We, can, we can't go back now. No, we're going back. <laughs> because as a Chaos Space Marine player, this is one of my favorite units anyway, and it's auto-included in all my lists. Matter of fact, the when I won Warzone Houston, if you remember, uh, the reason why I won with Chaos Space Marines in the Orc meta was because my last cultish shot down a Wasbomb bomber, which exploded and killed a bunch of Collins models, and I ended up winning Warzone. Now, the, the new Thousand Suns Cultists, six up in Bone, which is amazing. They also have a scout move, and when they die, you get a command point on a two-up. You can't beat that. Oh, yeah. We didn't even get into this. Like, are yes. you... So, like, the Zangors... Yeah, so at least now, the Zangors actually have something... Um, that kind of makes them work a little bit within the, within the army. Like, especially if you take a shaman, like you get a reason to take a shaman with the, with the regular Zangors. So yes. you go to a six up in bone and a five up feel no pain. Um, and then on top of that, you then get, um, uh, they have the ability to generate cabal points. Um, or you go cultists, which have the ability to generate um, command points. Mm -hmm. uh, so what do you guys feel like is the, is the right avenue there? I personally, for me, the cultist number one, because the scout move, I think is going to be huge. I mean, getting, getting a unit with a scout move in the army, that's why I'm actually considering at least one unit of beastmen in my CSM, which I'm a big fan of beastmen anyway, in the lore, but the scout move, I think is huge. Getting an extra command point in this edition just for dying is, is freaking huge. And not only that, one thing to consider is um, thousand sons cultists or any cultists in general with the free war gear, having a flamer um, in the unit isn't terrible. And, and is, and the reason why I say that is like, if you're playing Eldar or something against Eldar or something like that, them getting get flaming because they're strength four flamer, which is uh, pretty good comparative to the other weapons in the unit. So that turns out you could kill a couple banshees before they come in and kill you and, um, and you get a free command point. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm just a fan of cultists in general. So okay, I would say cultists or enlightened, which is not part of the question, but I think like uh, enlightened actually dropped in points, not by a lot, but they still they're still like ten inch moving fly units, which fly is less good, but uh, the ten inch move, like I'm either taking cultists or enlightened if I want more mission play basically. Because I think just yeah. the because of the new way the mission structure is set up, your uh, jury's definitely still out on this. But it looks like going random is probably better, which means you get something where it's suddenly like, oh, I need to be on the other side of the board now, uh, or with at least one unit. So I think yeah. uh, enlightened and enlightened are actually cheaper than cultists now. Um, so either Cultist or Enlightened, I don't really see Zangors happening. I was one of the few people that just before Armor of Contempt came out, I played two times 20 Zangors in the Custodes meta, and they were actually good there, but ever since then, I've not really touched them. I don't think, yeah, um, Zangors don't just don't offer enough at the moment, I think. Compared to the other two, yeah, I think uh, it, mission playing units. I, I kind of feel like Zangors have play, but it's kind of like you have to go all in with them. Like you need sixty at least with three shamans, 
And your plan should be to basically just board control and like here, chew through this many bodies. That's your plan. Um, I don't think that's a bad plan. I just, I, I think, you know, I think I, I definitely kind of arrive at the cultists the same way in that the scouts and the movement ability, like movement is king in this game and having the ability to just get like free movement early game, especially if you're going first, um, you know, to get out, you, you have to have something that goes out and holds an objective early. Um, and cultists are like perfect for that because you will at least get a six up save. So you have a chance of surviving with like one or two models. Um, and then, you know, look, if you get battle shocked, you get battle shocked, but at least it gives you a chance to go do that. Whereas Zangors don't give you that movement unless you temporal surge them. Um, and I think and I'm fairly certain you can temporal surge the regular Zangors, right? Uh, there's no restrictions whatsoever on temporal surge, I think. So you can even you can even surge the cultists. So even if you wanted to surge the Zangors, it, you're still getting more movement out of the cultists. But to bounce back uh, to the enlightened, they have that malign trickery, where if somebody moves within nine inches of them, you can just yep. whoop, bye. Yeah, which would combine that with the new charge phase makes actually yeah. engaging with that unit really awkward. Well, you can put they. They die to a stiff breeze. I mean, they they you shoot them with like one five man squad of bolters, and you're probably gonna kill at least half of them. But yeah, true. But yeah, I think that's that's also likely true with cultists, and also likely true with sangors. Just the cheapest. Uh, I think that just straight up the cheapest option we have in the codex, which I, which I think Ninth has shown is a very relevant thing to be. Just being the cheapest death sheet in the codex is just very valuable at the moment. The missions don't reward battle line anymore, really. Well, that's speaking of knights, the enlightened can actually you can move block knights with the enlightened, can't you? Because they are no wait, yep. they're they're infantry mounted now, so actually knights should be able to move over top of them, right? Yeah, I think uh, knights can yes. move over a lot of vehicles even now too. You can move over them, but uh, you can stand on top of them. So yeah. you get a more complicated move block, but you can still sort of move block with them. Yeah, so you're saying you, you park them so that they can't they can't completely step over top of them and then it takes away that movement. Yeah, right? so you can't move you can't move block them like you can only move one inch, but you can definitely still move block them so they can't use their full movement. What um, about uh you know one thing that we we haven't discussed at all and and while we're talking about units is demon princess. Oh and man. That's that, they're interesting. Weird. I, I tried to I tried to winged one out just because I have that one modeled uh, in the game already. It's actually uh, I think the flyover mechanic is actually pretty meh. Uh, but teleporting him somewhere at the end of your opponent's turn is very nice because you just get a guaranteed charge anywhere, and he actually kind of slaps if you put either like one of your detachment rules on the foot moving one is very interesting like stealth is a very good modifier so is precision once again uh, because let's say you see an abaddon uh, <laughs> to keep a previous <laughs> example uh, then that abaddon is probably gone uh, very soon after that uh, but he's also he also moves seven inches, cannot go through walls, and if your opponent sees him, he dies. Well, yeah. he, he's as tough as a 
Uh, he's a tough rhino. Uh, I don't know a good equivalent of what his toughness is, but no, toughness a, 10, 10 wounds, 4 invul is tough. But if your opponent decides, okay, his buff actually matters, I'm going to shoot him, then he's probably dead. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yeah, he's a rhino with a 4 pin bonus, what he is. No, I was sad. I was sad that they're going to be targetable, and you know, in Thousand Suns, CSM, yeah. and Guard, Death Guard. Yeah, Toughness Ten is. Yeah, I don't know how good Toughness Ten will be for them. I mean, there'll be Melters will be a thing, but like even then, like if you're in Melter range, it, you're always likely to be shot by multiple Melters, and yeah, the points are pretty the. I think they're fairly costed, but not aggressively. And like uh, 210 on the walking one is like, that's a lot of other bodies you can take. And um, they don't, I was hoping actually, that was the first thing I looked at when I shot the Demon Prince data sheets, whether or not they could kill vehicles. I don't think they realistically can. Like, no. if you get lucky, you'll pop one with them with. Uh, the detachment rule added on, but they're not really an answer. No, they actually, that, that's kind of where the uh, the toughness, um, the increase in toughness on a lot of this stuff really comes into play because, you know, that's that's exactly what I was looking at. My problem with the Demon Princes was I'm used to them being something that, okay, at at the end of the game, they're cleanup mode, right? And they 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 hide most of the game, they pick their targets, and then at the end, you can pretty much just run wild and just charge from unit to unit, just wiping out what you need to. Um, but now it's kind of like, well, if you've got a vehicle or a really tough unit that's back there with a, with a relatively high toughness, they're not anywhere near as efficient as they used to be. Um, and they're not going to be anywhere near as scary in close combat, I think, um, unless you're running like infantry or elite infantry, like they're still pretty damn good into that stuff. But outside of that, no, they're not gonna. They're not gonna really like walk up to a rhino and go, "Okay, you're you're blown up now," um, like they used to. Yeah, I think I think the foot demon prince. Like, if we suddenly start seeing a lot of characters, if it is indeed absolutely totally a not an indirect meta, let's hope not, but it could happen. Uh, then the stealth suddenly becomes more valuable, just so you can. Then you probably protect one unit uh, with stealth, put another unit in a rhino, uh, and put another unit with the sorcerer so they can't be shot. So you basically can't really be shot by a full indirect army turn one. Then it probably comes back. I don't know. They're, the non-attachable uh, characters are tough to assess because you just haven't really seen them in a while. Yeah, I think there's a meta call for the footprints... The winged one is is a suicide missile that doesn't actually kill the thing it's, it's supposed to kill every single time, but it prob but it also takes resources to yeah. It's, I think weirdly enough, the thousand suns demon prince with wings is very comparable to a harpy. You launch it at something, uh, hope the other thing dies, and then it's tough enough that it's gonna take decent resources to remove. Uh, but it's also a turn two harpy, not a turn one harpy. So, uh, although if your opponent goes first, yeah, I don't know. I I'm trying to justify the demon prince with wings. I can't really, really find a scenario for him. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not. 
I mean, like to me, you know, there's going to be certain things you have to spend points on. You got to have enough infantry and all that stuff. So we get down to brass tacks. If you're going to spend that much points on a model, you, I mean, I think if it comes down to one of those things, if you're taking Magnus, you can't afford a Demon Prince. Yeah. So, and I mean, at the end of the day, would you rather put Magnus on the table or, you know, two Demon Princes? Yeah. Magnus. Or, yeah. Magnus. 100% every time. Uh, another one that might be useful in a Thousand Sons army is maybe a Vindicator, just for that extra punch. You know, that'd be nice to poke a Vindicator around the corner to hit a Lehman Russ or even a Knight. I well, was is... very hyped about it, and then I saw the points. Yeah, 200 yeah. points is a lot of points. Yeah, and I, I... yeah, that's that's exactly what killed it for me, too. I was thinking, okay, you know, all right, look, we the, won the abilities... 40... Yeah, like, and even if it was like 150 or 160, I'm at least still considering it and thinking, well, it can still shoot whether you engage it or not. And it can just basically zoom up the field. It's really tough. But you know, at 200 points, man, it, that's that's not even a, a starter for me. Yeah. Well, and see, that's, and I guess the reason why I brought that up is because the uh, the Demon Prince is 190 or yeah, uh, yeah. 210. Right. So, like, right. if you're going to spend those points, I think you're going to get so much more output out of a Vindicator. Like, you know, because the awkward oh, yeah. uh, fixed points with all, you know, you're never going to have an eight-man Terminator squad or an eight-man whatever of this. So, I think for the awkward points, you're going to find yourself where, like, if you were down to 200 points, you know, you can either throw in another whatever for 150 or just say, jump on it and say, yeah go for the vindicator so if you were going to spend if you were at that last 200 points i don't think that's a terrible one but then at the end of the day i think a thousand suns land raider at 250 if you're going to go that high anyway so for because yeah. at least then you have something to put people in how do you feel about chaos forms versus cultists since they're now the same points i i think i'd rather the cultists just for the command points yeah command points are real good because and i mean to, to me, either way, you're going to use that unit to go out and die. That the cult is yeah. having the pregame move, and they're going to go out and grab an early objective, and then die. You get a command point out of it. Where the spawn is going to do the same exact role, but they're still going to die. But you don't get the command point out of it. Yeah, maybe using the spawn to kill something is not realistic. Yeah, yeah not not with two of them. And they're you know like like you said earlier, I know that 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 the five five man uh spawn unit from the previous edition with all the buffs on it was pretty great remember the first time i played uh uh david over here uh at, i think we were at an rtt i like dumped my whole csm army into five chaos spawn and i think i left him with like two spawn and i was like are you kidding me right now and then yeah. he, then he moved the spawn out of the way and here comes 10 terminators so <laughs> yeah i i think i did that to some white scores uh, like white scars players early on the codex first came out it was like okay i'm gonna charge both of my five man vanguard fat squads into this spawn unit with weaver on them like okay you kill one and now i'm gonna interrupt you and kill both of the squads <laughs> yeah the, they were just they just ate marines for breakfast what do you guys what do you guys think of the fact that now uh with with building your units you have to do them in like chunks of five and we don't have the ability to kind of use those extra points to put like two or three models in a squad and we're not paying different points for you know bolters and uh soul reaper cannons and flamers it's just all free war gear now i i do like it in certain ways um just because it's easier just to throw things out but the the, the main thing i don't like is um it, it feels like I have less flexibility in list building. Like, for example, yeah. I'm going to GT this coming weekend. I, I, 
I really like corn legionnaires, but you need more than five for them to be effective. Ten's too many points. So you come out with a perfect eight, which is also fits the lore. So I've got four eight-man units of corn legionnaires where, like, uh, when I was running Rubric Flamers with my Black Legion, I'd run nine, you know, because it was – because it always seemed like I was missing one flamer when I would teleport them, um, not being able to get line of sight. And I was like, you know what? I'll save the 23 points and go with nine. And obviously when you use the numbers, they they uh, they perform better with the dice rolls. <laughs> so, like, if I were to run nine corn legionnaires – as opposed to eight, they would have less output because you're not doing corn's number. So that that I mean, it's a lore thing, um, but I that, that's my that's my biggest complaint. But then also, like if y'all know uh, York uh, Bobkov, he plays a lot of chaos. One of the top chaos players yeah. in the world. I've learned a lot from him. This I mean, I know he's really sad because he's one of those guys that like to puzzle piece uh, an army together where you have all these weird numbers and. I mean, he, he's one of the coolest list builders out there. And I know he, I think he's pretty sad about losing that flexibility to do that. Now, granted, you could still take less than seven or eight, but you you, you got to pay for the 10. Yeah, I think you'll end up, I think the mistake early on will be that a lot of people just try to be 2000 points exactly. And I think there's going to be a lot of lists that are just straight up better at like 1980. Just that does feel awkward, but that's, trying to always maximize that full 2000 will be a bad choice early on, I think, because people just try to do it always. And sometimes you just actually want the better unit or the thing. I don't know. I, I kind of like Fear War Gear. It makes actually writing a list on paper instead of on Battlescribe a, re a reasonable thing to do because otherwise you always forget some kind of piece of War Gear and you end up uh, with the wrong number uh, it is tricky uh, for 1000 tons I don't think it matters a lot for the war gear in general speak generally speaking some factions benefit more from it than others like marines are the obvious one but GSC is also like uh, does GSC want a flamer or just a regular author gun yeah they're always going to pick the flamer it's easier but it does take away some of the subtleties of the game but also it also doesn't make it that much better for the casual player because now he suddenly has to get exactly this loadout and he can't do anything weird with it yeah i don't know don't love it let's put it that way yeah so what do you guys so if we if we kind of round all this out what do you guys think the lists are going to look like for uh for 10th edition here with thousand cents think you'll still start with the and good old terminator units and sorry, sorry to jump in and cut you off. I, I know, uh, Florian, you play a lot of team format. So it actually would be interesting to kind of hear your take on both the, the differences between what maybe a Thousand Suns list in a, um, like in your singles competition might look like, but then what you might be changing up in a team format. That's a tricky. Uh, it's a tricky one but because we don't really know what the meta looks like yet. Um, I think in singles, I would probably bring more uh stuff like exalted on discs because the movement being able to slow down movement is very important i think in teams i would always bring enlightened because um secondary points are going to be very important in teams is my initial uh initial guess um so i would always like whatever happens i would still want to be, play the, be playing the mission and enlightened enable that pretty well 
in singles, um, I try to overload more. Uh, I think for teams, people will be geared, there will be dedicated anti-knights lists or anti-vehicle lists of some kind. So I think the skew towards uh, the skewing towards stuff like uh, a mild skew towards stuff like three mutilative vortex pieces less valuable on teams. Uh, whereas in singles, you can just get slightly lucky with your matchups and then find people that just can't deal with it. In terms of overall lit, so yeah, it's it's tricky to say at the moment uh, because we don't know how the meta will look and I also don't know how the missions will play out. We have like five games of tens right now. In terms of lists, I think we'll see just in general speaking, we'll see uh, 10 Terminators, but probably not much more. You think it's a given that pretty much every list will probably have Magnus, 10 Terminators, and a Mutalith? I mean, yes. Yeah, Pro uh, probably yes. I. It is the, the interesting thing about Terminators is that without, if you don't put any CP into them, I don't think they're awesome, awesome. So that is you could maybe I uh, not seeing uh, not seeing any terminators as possible, not seeing any Magnus as possible. It, but I don't think you will have see a list with neither of them. And one mutilith is probably a yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean for me, I think Magnus and terminators, um, and then that that's also part of the reason why I'm like a super fan of the cultists is because you have to have the CP to make the terminators work. Yeah. So. I think having like two squads of cultists, um, which also because those are expensive units, those two squads of cultists are going to be nice. And then one vortex beast and then the rest rubrics. I mean, that's how I would go. So you take those two squads of cultists, Magnus, 10 Terminators, and the rest rubrics and call it a day. Maybe one rhino. Well, not yeah. maybe. Yes, one rhino. Absolutely one rhino. I think the rhinos sneakily better than before because the flamers don't have assault anymore. So you actually need the three inches vector movement from the Rhino, because if you go with like the brick, the big rubric brick with Airman in it, you definitely want to be able to get that into range. And if you don't have the Rhino to both protect them and get the extra three inches of movement, I don't think he quite reach in a lot of cases. And we didn't we didn't talk about the fact that I believe uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe you can move the Rhino and get out now. But with a rhino, I, st I think you still have the ability to move the rhino, then get out. So you essentially take your five-inch movement and turn it into, I believe, 13 inches if the rhino still moves 10. Well, ry the rhino before moved 12. I oh, hear it is. It, it's still a 12. Yeah. So you could do that with flamers, actually. You could put, you could put your 10 flamers uh, or, yeah, you could just put your 10 flamers in the rhino, you know, hop out. Ten flamers actually, ten flamers and a character in the rhino hop out and just flame whatever you want. Yeah, you're correct on the movements from the transport. I think, yeah, I think for the first couple of months, transport will probably be at a premium, mostly because uh, desolation can desolation means and the cannons and that sort of stuff exists. Uh, like until they start removing um, all the indirect penalties from all the units that have indirect. Um, like the desolation means have heavy ignore cover, I think, uh, which is a choice. You'll see, a, you'll want something to protect your most important stuff, and the 10 flamer unit inside the rhino is 
going to be a staple, I think. But off, but if you go ten Rubik's, uh, Airman, uh, a Vortex Beast, Magnus, ten Terminators, a Rhino, two units of Cultists, you're all, also almost already done. So you might want to drop one of like one of those elements. But which one is going to be tricky? Yeah, we definitely run out of points quick. So yeah. I mean, same thing on the CSM side. I, I put yeah. my first three units in, and I've only, I'm like almost <laughs> at a thousand points. Yeah, I was actually blown away. I actually was observing some of the uh, the local the local uh, uh, games here th this weekend, and uh, I was actually really impressed with how many bodies Marines can still put on the table. Yeah, they they're all bodies that die pretty easily, but it's the firepower on those bodies is also all pretty good. Well, that, that's the other thing. You got to have a plan to deal with uh, plasma inceptors because with their doctrines, they can advance and shoot those guys. Um, so, I mean, they, they're only 24-inch guns, but when, you, when you're looking at an advance and a shoot and then they're supercharging everything, and they, they have the ability to probably kill five, six uh, Scarab Assault Terminators if they can touch you first. Yeah, the, the one thing that uh, is going to be a, I think more decisive in uh, singles uh, than in teams is that Marines and Eldar are more ubiquitous in singles because you can only bring one Eldar list and one Marine list. So the other six lists are automatically not that. And the singles, like there's a lot of Marine players and uh, the, everybody that's trying to gun for the top tables, there will be a lot of Eldar players in those ranks. So just specifically having answers for those factions will be a thing. Uh, and just seal of oath is might seal of oath might be so ubiquitous that you start avoiding large units besides Magnus. That's, well, that's my one worry when I start putting together a CSM list. I'm like, okay, I have this big block of terminators, this big block of possessed, and what happens if both of these get seal of oath? Hmm. So, so one question I have, and maybe you guys can answer this. Um, and when you look at the core rules, it limits you to 500 points of strategic reserves. Does, but I did not see anywhere where there's a cap on deep strike. Or is that considered the same thing? Are you limited to 500 total? Like, in other words, if you put Magnus in deep strike, are you done? Uh, I actually had the same question, so that would be really good to answer. Because I could see some a world where you – you know, if you can strategic reserve something in addition to deep strike or whatever, like I, I would love to have Magnus in deep strike and then rapid ingress, ingress him into a, an awkward spot for somebody where they're not shooting him and then, then having the movement to go wreck something. Don't think there's a restriction on deep strike. It's just strategic reserve. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I, at least not in core rules. There might be one in GT rules. But core rules don't have a restriction for deep strike, just strategic reserve. That's up to 25% of army total, including those within transports. Yeah, I could uh, I could definitely see a, a world where you try to think skinny against some of these armies and then then threat overload them if there's no, you know. Yeah, there's, I've definitely seen some like lists that just drop out everything, uh, except maybe one. And I think this is where you're going to see if a faction can take lone operative you will see it so you take one lone operative and then just a whole bunch of non of a null deployments style of list 
just so you don't get shot by desolation marines or towering or towering knights or wraith knights or d cannons and then you just start going from starting from turn one and or turn two basically and then you can use rapid ingress to actually make your deep strikes a lot better because rapid ingress basically means you get one good deep strike charge instead of the nine inch nine inch ones Mm -hmm. i think there's definitely potentials for lists like that yeah and i I tell you one thing man you start talking about points and where we're at like man a knight tyrant at 485 (laughs) and that also has a 12 inch deep strike denial it's pretty it's pretty uh wouldn't be Uh, something bad to ally uh yeah especially since you can just say the armor save is not restricted to thousand tons Mm-hmm. <laughs> from just the fate yeah so, so yeah at that point you got to decide which knight tyrant you want i mean like that the the, yeah. the the one with the flamer man good lord and then also having the uh the harpoon on that thing which the harpoon went up to 18 inches and it's anti-4 vehicle with devastating wound and monster so like if you're playing tyranids you're that that harpoon's just gonna be like boom pick it up so yeah and and also one thing i I noticed is those guide strike missiles are no longer one shot per battle and they are um neg five anti-titanic with devastating wounds so (laughs) (laughs) i mean a tyrant at uh 485 is is nothing to shake a stick at uh no and so either version of it so so that that me if i was going to ally something with thousand suns i would pick that over demons any day of the week yeah, I think Demons is interesting because you can just... There's a list you can make with like two Exalted on Discs and two Exalted Framers. Mm-hmm. And just say four units of yours have half movement, half advance, half charge. <laughs> uh, that yeah. is a thing that could be... That could work. And I don't think... And I don't mind like Exalted Flamer units with Flamers in, inside of them at all. So there's definitely some interesting ally options. Yes. No, it's, I mean, I, I'm excited about the new edition. I don't know about you guys. Um, I'm hoping that some of this stuff takes it, you know, eventually I think they're going to have to do something with devastating wounds. If not, the game is going to be in a bad spot. So if GW is yeah. listening, my, my fix to devastating wounds is you just, instead of it being mortal wounds, it's plus one AP plus one damage. And then that fixes a lot of the issues that the game has. The one, the one challenge there is that devastating wounds seem to be a solution for certain armies that don't have the shooting to really make up for it. So Thousand Suns is actually a great example where if you look across the board, devastating wounds is basically how we solve a lot of our problems. Um, I mean, we don't have devastating the wounds to... only working on vehicle monsters is something I've heard not interacting with any sort of anti or with any sort of fate dice. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't mind devastating wounds. It's more like I think indirect and towering are the issues going forward, which you can solve, which can be solved by TOs, but then you end up in that situation right at the start of the edition, which I don't think you want. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, Tense is definitely exciting. Overwatch is going to determine a lot of the game. And yeah, devastating wounds is probably the best keyword at the moment. So we'll see. Oh, I know for me, that's what's going to carry my my Chaos Space Marines. I mean, like, I have a couple ways to get devastating wounds that are outrageous, like um, undivided 10-man Chaos Bond. 
you're probably looking at 30 mortal wounds every time you fight. I mean, obviously you got to get them there. But yeah, possessed you mean, I think. Right? Yeah, that's oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Was possessed. I don't so um other than also like undivided terminators that also have the marker nurgle keyword um is pretty big. The four or the plasma fiend undivided. So there's a theme there. So you can only do so many undivided things um, you know, per phase, but I mean like having a forge fiend come in from strategic reserves at 36 inches and take out an entire unit of plasma inceptors, you know, and being outside of that range to fight on death or shoot on death is going to be, I've already, I've already got that in my head. <laughs> if I play yeah. space Marines, they're all going to have plasma inceptors. I'm going to find a 36 inch route to uh, pop them. Also the Terminator Sorcerer for CSM, which is modeled like a thousand sun sorcerer. David's seen it. That's my favorite, favorite character slash model. It's Gandor Kaon. I know y'all probably get tired of me saying that, but um, he can come in deep strike in a corner, get your behind enemy lines or whatever, um, engage on all fronts with the, the new cards. But also he uh, has a death hex thing where it adds an additional AP, which will counteract the uh, the cover being on everything. So it's definitely a dead squad of plasma inceptors. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Forge, I think Forge Fiend for us doesn't have devastating wounds. It but, doesn't. But it's still pretty good if you start facing like marine bodies. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of plasma inceptors, honestly, but I've seen some very shooty, uh, otherwise shooty uh, marine lists. So it's interesting. Yeah, I just, I, I guess my thing is like, or not plasma inceptors. I keep, I'm saying the wrong thing. I'm talking about Hellblasters. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the 10-man Hellblaster with a lieutenant um, is ridiculous. So, like I said, a, a, a Hellblaster unit with the, the right bus on it is going to, shooting into a squad of Scarab, Scarab Assault Terminators is going to do probably, it's probably going to kill six, seven Terminators, yeah. which is a lot. I'm hopeful. I uh, I like the addition. I like I, most of the changes they've made. This edition are pretty pretty positive. Um, there really, honestly, aren't very many things where I'm sitting here going, "Wow, I really hate that." Other than the fact that they took away the Forge World models. Um, but I, again, I, I'm hopeful and optimistic that that means that they're going to help a lot of the armies that don't have the range to to you know to supplement. Like we feel the pain when a certain model isn't good. We feel that pain for much longer and much worse than, than other armies like Marines or Eldar, where they have just deep, deep codexes of, well, if this one's broken, you have two or three other options where you can fall back onto them. Um, but Agreed. I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, and I, and I like I like what they've done so far. And I think it's uh, I think it's pretty positive. So, you know, I'm kind of hopeful that it means that we've got more models in store for us. And I'm excited to see what they do for our other detachments, because I can't imagine that cult of magic is the only one that we're going to have um i would imagine that they maybe even rework it a little bit and then introduce some of the other ones uh that would be pretty cool i'm not sure they have to give us all nine cults uh, i think maybe nine detachments for thousand sons might be a little bit overkill uh but uh you know just maybe picking out a few of the good ones wouldn't wouldn't be an issue at all well i hope they bring back time so i can keep singing my songs at gt's <laughs> Hey, when I play Cult of Time, if I leave the tournament and people don't have, I wish I could turn back time stuck in their head, then I've done something wrong. <laughs> Fair. Well, with that, uh, I know Magnus did nothing wrong, but uh, 
Is there any closing any closing thoughts on uh, 10th edition here with Thousand Suns? I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting time. Uh, first few months will be chaos, but maybe in a good way. Okay. And also, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, for all of the chaos range, even, even Death Guard, I think there's some fun tricks. So big chaos player, and I love it. And at the end, I do have a shameless spot that I would like to throw out, David. Go for it, man. So one of uh, our own Texas players got invited to the WTC for the international team. And one of the local GTs is doing something absolutely amazing because it was one of those things. It's a big cost to get over to Europe. So the Rise Empire GT that's going to be in December for the next two weeks, they're going to take 90% of their ticket sales and, and send it to that player, which is Brett Urbanski, the, uh, the Katachan. Uh, oh, nice. So it, so if they sell 25 tickets over the next two weeks, he's looking at a $2,000, uh, expense, you know, to help him go to WTC, which the trip's going to cost him about probably three grand. So that, so if you're going to rise of the empire GT anyway, sign up now and it'll directly benefit a Texas player to go to WTC, which is, which is amazing. So I'm pretty happy for uh, Brett on that one. Who's also one of our teammates. So, well, I'm, Thinking that this is probably uh, a good chance for us to uh, look at doing this again here in the future, because this was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad we were able to run through the codex. Um, and it'll be interesting in about like, I don't know, three months or so to see where things have gone, like what what's happened with the meta, uh, you know, what actually turns out to be good. And... Yep, it will be exciting to see. And hopefully the Vortex beast is still on the table. <laughs> I, just, I hope the same thing.